This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, I'm Stephen Krasowski, Communications Manager at RMA. RMA, with support from its third-party Risk Management Roundtable and Steering Committee, recently conducted a survey to capture the current state of COVID-19 and its impact on third-party risk management practices. Today, I'm joined by Sylvia Tchaikovska, Associate Director of Operational Risk at RMA, and Christy Smith, Director of Third-Party Risk at Bank OZK, who will discuss some of the key findings from the survey. Sylvia and Christy, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Steve. So, Sylvia, what was the purpose of the survey? Who participated? And what were some of the main topics covered? Thank you, Steve. I think RMA took a very proactive approach to help our members figure out their next steps for this unusual pandemic event. And I have to commend the third party steering committee for leading so many initiatives, giving our members an opportunity to connect and bounce ideas of each other. As the pandemic continued to evolve, RMA offered a series of 12 calls dedicated for third party risk management SMEs to discuss challenges, best practices relating to third party. And every week, the institutions evolved in their approaches to handle potential COVID-19 issues. So the group decided to gain more insight by collecting information via survey. And as a result of that, we have conducted a survey between May and June of 2020. And the questions were designed to allow participants to provide information, insights, and it was intended to capture the current state of COVID-19 and its impact on third-party risk management practices. We have covered the six areas in the survey. Impact to the organization, COVID-19-related documentation, third-party performance during pandemic, issues related to third-party employees working remotely, monitoring changes as a result of COVID-19, and finally, risk assessment changes. Even with banks focused on competing priorities at that time, we have received 46 responses, covering a wide range of financial institutions. And based on the numbers of responses received, we were able not only to show the general analysis, but the institutions can benchmark survey data, but asset size as well. So we were able to break it down by four asset size categories, less than 20 billion, between 20 and 60 billion, between 60 and 250 billion, and over 250 billion. So in summary, survey participants included community, regional, super regional, money center banks, investment banks, insurance companies, and financial utility companies headquarters, not only in US, but in Canada and Europe. Christy, as one of the few global pandemics in our lifetime, COVID-19 gave financial institutions the ability to see third-party control failure implications in real time. What are some of the pandemic-related problems that have affected participating banks, especially regarding third-party relationships? Well, Steve, interestingly enough, and despite the consistent lack of third-party business resilience documentation seen throughout the industry, the majority of services and products provided by third parties continued with none or minimal delay in response time, even though the third parties deployed untested pandemic plans. The larger concern in the financial community continues to be the anticipation of pending financial failures for many third parties, which will require backup plan reviews. 
We are starting to see regulator expectations increase on this front as well, which puts third-party risk management in the hot seat. It's very difficult, I'd say fairly impossible, to fully assess and implement some of the larger third-party services in a time frame that would be required should the current solution provider shutter. And this is the conundrum that the regulators see as a looming potential. It's also one reason why the RMA Third Party Roundtable is working on the larger Lessons Learned project, which will hopefully give us some insight into how financial institutions can evidence a capability to swiftly transition critical third party services to prevent or minimize customer impact should we see the financial effects from COVID-19 in our third party business structures that's anticipated. And not to be a Debbie Downer on the topic, but the 2020 COVID-19 survey showed that less than 25% of participating financial institution third parties responded to and or provided acceptable COVID-19 responses or statements, which included confirmation that the third parties could continue to offer their product or service without interruption. Even though, thankfully, most of the third parties were able to sustain services over the last several months, it's very disappointing to see that many third parties even the larger industry pervasive providers were not prepared for the pandemic and could not evidence any detailed pandemic response plan. Sylvia, many institutions were looking for security from vendors on their financial health amid the pandemic in anticipation for potential issues from vendors' ability to perform and deliver satisfactory services. What were the key findings on banks receiving pandemic response plans from critical third parties? Steve, so in March of this year, COVID-19 started making a more significant impact on business operations, disrupting the processes that the institution had in place, and management had been challenged with finding ways to conduct business in the new ways, which now we all call our new normal. As the survey has been conducted four months ago, um, and actually four months into the global pandemic, many institutions were still in the process of figuring out those approaches. And because of that, we can see that there is a range of practices depending on the maturity level and uh, of the institution. As one of the global pandemics in our lifetime, COVID-19 gave financial institutions the ability to see third-party control failure implications in real time and in anticipation for potential issues with vendors' ability to perform and deliver satisfactory services, many institutions started taking steps to spot any red flags that may arise and impact vendor performance in the near future. Christy, there are a lot of unknowns with how the work environment will look in the future. Will people return to facilities? Will schools reopen? And will employees need to find a balance between work and home activities? Have institutions made any plans to any of the roles transitioning temporarily or permanently from full-time to part-time in support of employees with children who are unable to return to school or daycare? Yeah, this is an interesting question and one that largely still remains to be seen. Uh, Survey respondents showed 49% were still not sure at the time of survey and 38% had not made any plans. Um, It's public knowledge that when states started to resume business in the new normal practice, as Sylvia called it, the country saw a swift uptick, but then the spike in new cases hit. So those institutions who had started having employees come back into the office had to take a step back to reevaluate. A lot of institutions have seen their new normal may be to incorporate some permanent work from home abilities as it is just working extremely well. 
employees are producing a greater amount of work and they're happier, and the fear of COVID-19 in the office becomes a non-factor. Unfortunately, the flip side of that coin is that a lot of employees have children who need to be cared for during the day. And many schools have either opened and immediately closed due to COVID-19 cases or have resumed with them only virtual class options. This puts additional pressure on employees who have demanding work responsibilities, but an even greater responsibility to their families. At the current time, we are seeing the majority of the participant financial institutions working with their employees to allow flex or part-time hours. It's a challenging situation, though, for team members to coordinate calls and projects. Um, another consideration on this topic is the impact to productivity and ability to maintain acceptable service levels by both financial institutions as well as the third parties contracted to deliver customer products and services, uh, not including the fourth, fifth, and nth associated parties. This is a challenge that has still not been quantified. We've also seen a significant spike in fraud through cyber exploitations and phishing attempts, which is a direct result of the global work from home mandates. Unexpected cybersecurity challenges related to patch management, as well as new or expanded remote access vulnerabilities are two of the issues that third party risk management is tasked to evidence in their third party relationships. Financial institution employees are working flex hours in order to accommodate the childcare and other aspects of remote work. The third parties and the subcontractors being utilized are experiencing the same challenges to keep their data and network secure. IT security in general was built based on office use, utilizing firewalls and defenses with a one gate in. Now company crown jewels and the customer and company confidential data are sitting on computers outside the castle walls. So it'll be truly interesting to see how this plays out over time and certainly through the end of 2020, as a good majority of companies have extended work from home either through the end of the year or indefinitely. Sylvia, knowing how important ongoing monitoring is throughout the life cycle, in what ways are banks changing ongoing monitoring requirements for critical third parties to address financial viability cybersecurity, and other operational risks? In most cases, institutions proactively started changing their ongoing monitoring requirements for critical third parties. And that was mostly reflected by heightening their focus on specific risk areas that Steve, you have mentioned. Uh, we had a variety of responses based on the institution's maturity level and most likely budgets institutions have in place. The range of practices can be noticed based on the asset size of the institutions as well. But just to highlight the most popular responses, uh, some of the monitoring practices mentioned included regular email communications, tracking risk news, using external resources for different alerts, conducting teleconference meetings, keeping internal scorecards with identifying relationship owners, and deploying additional questionnaires. Christy, to wrap up, are banks planning to make any changes to methodologies to rate inherent risk and or residual risk or introduce an interim risk rating process? And if so, in what ways? Well, regardless of the institution size, responses from participating institutions have been consistent. And we've learned that the answer was no to changing rating methodologies for each area of risk. Approximately 44% of the respondents confirmed that their firms are not planning to change their onboarding or recertification control assessments going forward as a result 
of lessons learned during the pandemic. For institutions with assets above $250 billion, the respondents are planning to make some changes. And this may be dictated by many factors, the maturity level of the organization, budgets, or resources available. And based on practices that are in place, we see that the institutions implemented or are considering additional control ratings on subcontractor contract provisions and business resilience capabilities. Personally, I do think we will see financial institutions take some deeper dives in order to be able to sufficiently evidence the strength of their organizational processes when customer products and services are outsourced. We'll see a focus on concentration, location, and country risk, as well as a higher expectation for the first line of defense interaction and management of third-party risk. Sylvia and Christy, thank you so much again for joining us today. Thank you, Steve. Thank you.